If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to Autism Talk with Dr. Rob, a community of people touched by autism. Getting questions answered or researching the right treatment for autism are daunting tasks. Autism Talk with Dr. Rob exists to bridge the gap between consumers and providers, making information accessible to individuals affected by autism. Dr. Rob is a licensed educational psychologist and board-certified behavior analyst who specializes in identification and treatment of individuals with autism and related disorders. He is the founder and executive director of Behavioral HealthWorks, a premier provider of autism services, including ABA, speech, and occupational therapy and evaluation. To learn more, visit www.bhwcares.com. And now, your host, Dr. Rob Duke. Hello, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here today with Suzanne Potts, Executive Director of Autism Society of Texas. Her energy is contagious, and she's got a lot to share and everything that's going on 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 her neck of the woods um, with what she's doing with Autism Society of Texas. So welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thanks, Dr. Rob. I really am grateful to be on your show today. I really appreciate the time. How are you? uh, You know, I'm doing great. We were just talking offline. Um, can you can you share a bit about what what you're up to uh, with with Autism Society of Texas? Yeah, absolutely. So the Autism Society of Texas, we uh, support the entire state of Texas. We're a big old state, and we provide support, information referral. Um, education, advocacy, and community inclusion opportunities for families living with autism in Texas. And so what we say is we serve all ages and all stages of autism. So we don't have a time frame. It's really about the lifespan of living with autism. And um, we help families navigate through autism. Those are the big things we do. Wonderful. How did you find yourself getting to the skill? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's fortuitous for me. I I did some work previously with um, kids with autism through the regional center, and I'm a social worker by trade and I have a degree in public health. So I've always been really focused on families and children and and issues around health care. But, you know, time moves on and I was married and have two little boys and our oldest son was diagnosed with autism at a very young age. And so we were Mm. thrust into this life of autism where, you know, even as a educated, you know, somewhat involved person, it was overwhelming for me as a parent and for my husband and I to try to figure out how to navigate autism. So we um, actually connected with the Autism Society early on and um, really became a life passion to connect and help others. Uh, My son's 14 at this point, so we still have a ways to go, but certainly has been uh, great to have such an overwhelming support from our autism families. Wow. Thank so, you for sharing that. Yeah. 
Of course. If if yeah, if we can if we can um, spend a little bit of time to, to to extrapolate that a bit, can you share some of those earlier challenges? Even you who have gone through some clinical training, what what do, what do you recall were some of those earlier challenges that you can maybe share with some of our listeners now, and how you you know sure. were, were able to navigate through some of that? Yeah, so I think our biggest issues early on were just denial. You know, this is our first child, mm. and so we took the, you know, the doctor at that point had noted a few things that, you know, were red flags. You know, he was not pointing or gesturing at one. Um, at two, he had very limited language and really was echolalic at that point, but we didn't mm. understand what that was. No one had ever talked to us about that. Um, and so there was a pretty significant denial factor, I think, that hindered our understanding and wanting to seek more support. So he did start early interventions at two and a half um, because they told us he had a speech delay. And so for us, it was easier to kind of navigate speech delay versus autism, if that makes sense. Right. Um, right. No, it so does. once we could wrap around and, and see it and understand it, then we were able to accept it. So that's something mm. that I understand for families. It's, it's overwhelming to get that diagnosis yet see your child as perfect and whole. Um, so mm. that was an initial barrier and for us. Absolutely. And do you feel, do you feel funding um, and um, resources are, um, are, were adequate at the time, and do you feel that growing in Texas? So at the time, we were in California, and, again, we, we did early childhood interventions and had some limited resources, but what we found, um, you know, we moved to Texas when he was three and a half and the funding has been a real challenge. Um, my husband works for a company that has a self-funded insurance plan. And so we don't have ABA coverage that's paid for through our insurance. Um, and so we've had to self pay for everything. Um, and that's been Mm. overwhelming. So we basically had to choose which therapies we would do when, um, based on what we could afford, and time. And then, you know, we have another son who does not have autism, who um, has been kind of a shadow survivor, I always say, of his autism, because he went to every treatment, every therapy, and kind of had to hang out in the uh, waiting rooms while Big Brother did all his therapy. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, had to really pick and choose our time to do those. Mm. So lo- looking back at some of those early years and and you know, even now, I'm sure there's there's life lessons that you're learning every day. What would you share with some parents that may be facing a newly diagnosed, um, you know, diagnosis now, and and, and kind of just really just looking to navigate what those next steps are? Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Sure. So I think uh, you know it can be overwhelming, and so to triage what's most important. And for us, it was getting our child to speak and go through speech therapy, um, connecting to other parents. And then making sure we maintain some level of self-care or just support for us. So, um, you know, getting him the right treatments at the right time and having to figure out when and how we could do that. Connecting to other parents, again, through support groups or online if that was easier. And then, like I said, just making sure we took time for ourselves because it did become early on all about autism. And um, that Mm -hmm. became really overwhelming at a certain phase and we had to back off a bit. So those are three mm. things that really come to mind when I think about those early days. Gosh, I was just sharing sharing with you offline how we could certainly use more of you in this world. Uh, someone so with sweet. your training and also the lens that you're going through, 
And now it, it appears that I, I can sense where the passion's coming from that's propelled you to be involved in, in the organizations that you currently serve. Um, can we share a little bit more about that, maybe any upcoming events um, that, that you may be hosting through, through Autism Society of Texas? Yeah, absolutely. So our Autism Society, we do a lot to try to raise awareness. Obviously, we work very extensively with our autism community, but in order to reach other families that don't understand autism, we're having our Autism Film Festival. It's our second annual event oh. here in Austin, and it's called Autfest Texas, and we're showcasing three incredible films. Um, we're actually doing a throwback film and showing the Temple Grandin film, and we're having a panel oh. about women with autism because I think they're often forgotten, you know, since boys are typically four times more likely to have autism. Girls, right. we're seeing more and more young girls and adult women who are coming to us and saying, hey, I'm here too. You know, I, I need to see more supports for me. So um, that's something we're excited about to have a panel of women. And then we have Swim Team, which is another great film about a, a young group of swimmers with autism. And um, our last film is Autism and Love. So we're really trying to showcase positive autism stories and for other folks to learn through film about autism. That's so we're fantastic. very excited for that. It's November, November 12th here in Austin, as I said, um, and it's Autfest Ot Texas, and it's you can find out more on autismfilmfest.org. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and you know, as, as I understand it, there's been efforts made um, – to help those affected by Hurricane Harvey as well. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So that was one of those unintended things for us. Well, we realized the hurricane was going to be hitting our coast. We, um, you know, we provide information referrals and support to families all over the state. However, and during times of disaster, we quickly realized we had to change our plan. Um, so we immediately, you know, started answering phone calls that first weekend and helping families who were displaced or families that were sheltering in place or families that were just home but had, you know, overwhelming catastrophic loss around them. So we had to kind of change our game a bit and um, provide a new set of resources that we had to quickly learn about what was out there. We connected with mm -hmm. FEMA, with Red Cross, with federal and state and local officials and participated daily in disaster preparedness calls. So um, it, it was, I have to be honest, it was overwhelming for us as a, a growing nonprofit to take sure. just call after call after call. We typically get two to three calls a day, right? Two to three, maybe mm -hmm. an email or a call. We were getting four or five an hour um, during the oh, hurricane, wow. and it was really overwhelming. So uh, what we realized was that, you know, everyone was dealing with the hurricane at that point from Houston all the way down to Corpus, right? And what we had not factored in was just what it was like to be in a disaster with autism. So thinking through what do they need to pack, um, you know, loss of control, loss of your items, uh, scheduling. Mm -hmm. Everyone's schedule was then in chaos because they were either on the road or in the middle of a very scary storm or then in a shelter where there's 400 to 2,000 people. So oh. we had to quickly ramp up our game a bit and work with those partners right. to get families safe and secure. Gosh, our world's going through a lot and at least the beautiful part that I've been able to observe quite a bit cross country is the overwhelming support and how people band together to, <clears throat> to, to, to go through some of these uh, 
you know, uh, storms and what have you. So it sounds like that was right. the case there as well. Um, oh, my gosh. That's, that's overwhelming. Beautiful. Yeah, I think almost as many people calling for help, we had probably one to two other people calling to offer help, which was really heartwarming. Wow. Um, but also overwhelming. Right. We had to tell them, like, I have to hang up. We have people calling that we need to help first. So, <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, yeah, certainly with, you know, man-made or natural disasters, fires, you know, the shooting in Las Vegas, we're seeing right. so many wonderful people step up and be a support, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious, so, what is your vision now? Um, just to shift gears a bit, um, it, it seems like the, the outreach is there. Um, it, it appears that folks in Texas are aware of your organization, but as the executive director, where where would you like to see this go next? You know, if you had your one to five year plan out there. So one to five year plan, both for disasters and also just in, with autism. One of the things that quickly uh, came to forefront for us was that we can't do this alone, and that there's a lot of little. Mm. There's other organizations out there working to do their piece and their slice, and we all had to really quickly be cohesive. You know, the autism community is very divided in a lot of ways. There's a lot Mm. of people out there who have different opinions about cause or cure or treatment or support, and I think sometimes that becomes divisive for families. And what, what our message would be, we want to be like Switzerland, right? We want to be a connecting agency to help people right. connect to one another. So we see ourselves kind of linking arms with everyone and saying, if this is a group that works for you, that is awesome. If this is a treatment that mm. works for you and your family, that is awesome. You know, find what works for you and your family and go for it because there's so much, you know, difficulty with this path already with autism that we don't need to be divided on top of that. So right. we've tried to really you, collaborate better um, with other organizations. Right. We've tried to just, again, reach out to corporations and other groups to explain about autism, so things like that. Perfect. So are there other groups um, and, and organizations out there that you would like to, um, per, you know, on air propose an invitation to that you'd like to, to, to more closely collaborate with? Are there any that come to mind now? God, I mean, there's so many groups we already work with. Um, we already collaborate really well with, you know, Easter Seals and the ARC and those kind of organizations. Autism Speaks has been a partner of ours here in Texas um, on, on different projects we've done around advocacy. Um, we've worked with groups like Any Baby Can or just other autism-specific nonprofits, United Way, um, so places like that that help our families at whatever level they're at. Um, we really want to put out to groups that, you know, we want to help. We want to collaborate. Um, if you're a small autism organization, if you're a large autism organization, we are wanting to connect and collaborate for sure. Because we can't, there's enough Great. to go around. You know, there's enough resources. We we can't do it alone. We have to partner with these other groups. Absolutely. So we have so, resource so, fairs. We want to go to their fair. You know what I mean? We want them to come to ours absolutely. so that families get as many choices as possible when they make their path. So for those listening in right now, what's the best way to get a hold of you or your organization? So the best way to call us or email us. So our phone number is 512-479-4199. Our website is texasautismsociety.org. 
or you can email us at info at texasautismsociety.org. So all of our information is there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, we're really in a lot of social media spaces um, trying to connect with families. We have a Yahoo group with over a 1,000 families on it. So there's lots of ways to connect via our website, and that's texasautismsociety.org. Wonderful. So we'd love for families and, to get involved and, you know, share stuff mm-hmm. on social media. We always try, you know, our thing is we're not about cause or cure. We're about hope and support and services moving forward. So you have this diagnosis. Let's work with you and help you in a positive, supportive way. And so we want mm-hmm. folks to raise awareness and, you know, just learn more with, about the disorder. I'm always amazed mm-hmm. when I meet new people and they don't know about autism. And um, I think because we live this every day, we just forget sometimes. Sure, sure. People don't always and as know. We're, and as we're wrapping up the show, um, any, any remaining parting words that you'd like to sh- share with our, our listeners today? I just think, um, again, one of the unintended outcomes from the hurricane here in Texas was just how overwhelming it was for our families to go through a disaster, both in preparedness, but also um, in navigating these larger systems that were meant for kind of typical family experiences, although there's nothing typical about a disaster. And so mm-hmm. um, now that we're seeing more and more kind of issues around the United States and globally, just to really take the time for state or federal partners or communities to really understand what it's like, you know, going into a shelter with autism was impossible for some of our families. People were asked to leave. They were displaced. And so, again, I just think for some families, they hadn't quite thought through or or some, I'm sorry, partners not thinking through what it's like for, you know, 1% of our population to have to experience a natural disaster. And so just raising awareness about it, we had schools that were damaged and, you know, behavior programs that were damaged and um, that really threw a lot of people off. So people mm-hmm. that can, can provide direct support or just share those stories out there, I think would be really helpful. And, you know, we do um, sometimes take for granted our understanding of autism. I want to just take for a brief moment and have you maybe uh, further explain some of the challenges that a family with an individual with autism may face, can you share just a couple of, you know, uh, you know, scenarios that, 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 that maybe a listener who's not as well-versed with, with understanding autism uh, could, could benefit from today? Sure. Do you mean just in general or during like a disaster? Uh, either, or- you know, but maybe, maybe take your example of, uh, of someone going into shelter and, and why you, you mentioned earlier that, they were asked to leave, uh, why, why that might be. Absolutely. Well, so one of the things about when you go into a shelter, um, there's no schedule, right? So you've immediately lost your mm-hmm. typical routine. For any of us with autism, you know you do the day, same thing every day. <laughs> you have the same foods and the same processes. So immediately you've mm-hmm. lost that shelter. You've lost your home, your things that are familiar. Many of our families were showing up to the shelter with one bag of things, a bag of clothes. Mm. Um, so some of their sensory care supports, noise-canceling headphones, um, you know, fidget toys or things like that were gone. And so when you walk into a shelter, it's loud, it smells, it's chaotic. 
um, the first week at one of our shelters, they kind of got the food that was just donated. And so if you're on a special food diet, you're gluten-free, dairy-free, or you have nutritional supplements, those aren't there, you know. And so your food is upended, your intestinal processes, you know, rerouted because there's just you're eating whatever is given to you in this shelter. Mm -hmm. They don't turn off the lights at the shelter. So it's just a real sensory overload. So for many of our families, mm. we weren't able to even have them stay at the shelters or they were asked to leave in a couple horrible situations because the shelter mm. staff couldn't understand about why these meltdowns were happening. So we're just always mm. telling families, to, you know, be aware if, you know, for, if you're able to find a different place. Um, and if not, then we need to work to educate our disaster partners about autism and creating a sensory safe space at the shelter system. Um, our our problem here is we had like 190 shelters, so it just wasn't mm. um, we weren't able to make sensory spaces at every shelter. So it just became overwhelming. You know, people were in their cars just trying to avoid being in a shelter situation because their mm. kiddos or adults with autism couldn't manage it. So we're just right. really wanting to work now to create a national disaster plan for people with autism. You know, so whatever your situation is, you can plan ahead to either have a place to go, have backup supplies, and find a way to make it as, as calm as you can in a, a disaster. And so even all the more, the importance of education and collaboration, Absolutely. I think it, it's, it's going to resonate in my mind after, after this show with you. Um, so can you remind our listeners again how to get in touch with you? Um, one last time, I just wanted to thank you so much um, for, for coming on and, and sharing not only your personal experience, but your work experience and, and the amazing work that you're doing through Autism Society of Texas. Um, let's remind our, our listeners again how to get a hold of you. Absolutely. So I, our website is texasautismsociety.org, and that's all spelled out, T-E-X-A-S, autismsociety.org. And our phone number is area code 512-479-4199. You can also email us at info, I-N-F-O, at texasautismsociety.org. And we're here, you know, throughout the week and um, respond to, to calls and emails every day. So we really want to be a support to anyone who calls and needs support. And we, we're so grateful for being on your show. I appreciate the time. Thank you for being on, Suzanne. You take care. Absolutely. You as well. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining Autism Talk today, and we hope you found this episode helpful. All Autism Talk with Dr. Rob episodes are available on our website at www.bhwcares.com. Call 800-BHW-1266 for autism services now. BHW accepts insurance. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 